Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artist. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we are doing our podcast. We're going to be talking about uh, art critics. We're going to be talking about art critics. Now, on the main channel, the Rafi Was Here channel, I did a video, I think it was last <laughs> week, about art critics. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about it because you don't it's such a it's one of those subjects where when you're dealing with someone who maybe is criticizing your art and it's not necessarily a critique um that's that's what i really want to cover in this podcast so um for anybody that's listening to this we have our amazing rogues here with us um typing into the chat so if you hear us reading something uh it's not because we are talking to ourselves we are reading the wonderful um, comments that they have to say. It's I am true. saying um a lot That's today. okay. That's okay. <laughs> Gobbles is like, be gone, demon. Is that yeah. how you deal with art critics? Yeah. <laughs> Zara's like, I need that eight ball critic. Oh, we all need that eight ball critic. That, that would, would be, be amazing. For for context, it would be a magic eight ball, but instead of predictions, it hands out art critiques. <laughs> like your composition's a little off. I I love <laughs> I love that. We did a video a few years ago about uh, art critique, like finding um there there's a website where you can write random art critique generator. Yeah, it's ra- hilarious. Yep. Yeah. So it's one of those things. I, I'm not sure if it's still out there, but it's it's one of those things that I definitely recommend that you check out because. The the video that I did, the art critiques that I was talking about was more along the lines um, based on a question that I got from one of the rogues, uh, Dana. Dana had posted something on Facebook and she said that somebody uh, that she knows, an acquaintance that doesn't do art, she doesn't work on art, she's not an artist, nor is, has she ever really shown an interest in art itself, um, went into this formal art critique where she was nitpicking at things on her painting and i i went on there and i looked at dana's painting and just like with every work of dana's art i was like this is amazing this is an amazing work but she was criticizing things that didn't make sense really when you were looking at the piece but also she was using the art world kind of um lingo lingo you know the art world lingo that that makes it sound like you're really intelligently critiquing a piece versus just being an for added context uh it was unsolicited uh the post was not asking for critiques the post was um sharing a finished piece of art and um and that can be rough when it's unsolicited (laughs) it was unsolicited it was it was one of dana's santa pieces right and it was her husband had modeled modeled. for it and so it was this really really cute piece with like he had a twinkle in his eye and all that stuff and um this person started criticizing the way that dana's fur was yeah well she she actually for for more added context she mistook the the fur on the santa hat for hair um so right off the bat, I'm like, oh, you don't know what you're looking at. Um, Dana's Santas are legendary. They really are. They really they are. Really so, are. Um, Tish said, art critics can bite it unless they have constructive criticism that can be helpful. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, it's not about um, it's not about poo-pooing on everybody that's going to give you an art critique because that's not that's not the point. You can learn a lot from like talking to somebody and as long as the 
criticism is constructive, um, there's something that you could gain from that. And even then, it's still an opinion, right? It's somebody looking at the artwork and just kind of giving you their opinion. Well, I would do this differently, or I would have maybe come from this approach, or that's interesting that you went that way. I probably would have done this, you know, or the background feels a little empty to me. Um, the message isn't really there. I'm having a hard time with the message you're trying to convey. There, there are certain critiques that like can be backed up by questioning, right? Where you question, it was one of the reasons that one of the parameters that I put in was like question the person that's critiquing you mm -hmm. because if it's genuine constructive criticism, they've got more information to follow it up versus just being like, well, you know, you could probably blah, 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 this better. And that was the thing, like when I was reading that critique, the critique itself, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. What you're saying doesn't make sense. How are you going to back that up? You're saying make this more better, basically, was the critique. And yeah. it's like you can't you can't back – like how? How make this more better? Um, so, yeah, and those kind of, kind of critiques do get under my skin. So it it's really hard for me to not go into a rant when it comes to that. But at the same time – I'm a little bit more open to receiving just about any critique. And I thought that in this podcast, we would really lay out um, times where we've experienced uh, critiques, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say that my first art critique, the first art critique that I got that was not positive, ironically, um, was not helpful either, came from my art teacher in high school. Right. Up until that point, I think I was in in I was a junior. Um, and up until that point, like every art class, I aced it. I did really well. It was, you know, amazing. Uh, everybody thought I was amazing. So I was completely like full of myself. This class, this art teacher didn't like my way of doing things, right? Because I've always been very rogue, right? I, I know the technical way of doing things and I know some of the, the rules as far as like um, value, color theory, all that stuff. And I like pushing the boundaries on those and playing around and approaching things from a different different way. I like I like doing that. And this teacher told me that I had a hard time following the rules and that if I didn't follow the rules that I would never make it in the art world. And I told him rules were to, you know, rules are there to be broken. And he flat out looked at me and said, you will never, ever make it in the art world. So, That's a bold statement. So when I hear that, I think to myself, that is a critique, right? This is a critique that of your way of doing things. And... I'm not giving you any explanation, right? Because I was like, what do you, you know, at that point I got defensive and I was like, whatever, you know, you're not in the art world. You're an art teacher. Like, what, what, what do you have to teach me about being in the art world? And so it went back and forth, which I guess that would have been a reverse critique on my end. Sure. <laughs> so, but that was, that was one of the things where it's like, that's not helpful. That doesn't give you, uh, anywhere to go with that. Right. Like Tish says, it needs to be actionable. Otherwise, it's pretty useless. Exactly. Exactly. Leslie said, hi, rogues from uh, early autumn morning here. In New Zealand. Oh, hi, Leslie. That sounds nice. Hi, Leslie. Them fools is gimpy. Gumpos, I say, <laughs> says Gobbles. 
Dana, I'm here, but late apparently. Dana, we were just talking about you. And, and one your of the, legendary Santas. Your legendary Santas and uh, the uh, not needed art critique that you got. Susan said, that teacher needs to see what you are doing now. I know, I know. You know that that part of me, that, that part inside of me that um, really pushed to make this happen and, and just persisted through all the suck when it came to my art career I remember one day I was sitting there and I was thinking about him and I let it get under my, like, I was like, ooh, that guy, blah, 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 this and that. And I remember looking him up and thinking like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be like, guess what I'm doing? And then I thought to myself, like, he's not going to care. <laughs> like, he's not even going to remember who I am. Who knows how many students he did that to. Yeah. Zara said, I experienced a critical comment from someone I was expecting to be gentle and supportive. And what actually let me down is the expectation that others would be gentle and supportive. Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good thing to bring up, Zara, because the next uh, critique that I got in my life that really and when I when I'm talking about these critiques, I'm talking about critiques that like really demoralize me. Right. Because, yeah, sure. I was getting aces and stuff like that. And I was full of myself when it came to art. I thought that I was, yeah, I'm a really great, you know, I'm, I'm good at art and stuff like that. But I was riddled with insecurities. And what ends up happening when you get a critique, which I think now at this point in my life is really awesome, is that you get to face your insecurities. Right. Whenever a critique does come out of the woodwork, it's going to push at some insecurity of yours, especially if it's like really bothering you. And so, like, the next one was my father. Mm. My father telling me that, um, you know, what do you think you're going to do? You think you're going to make money with these stupid little pictures and these stupid little drawings? You got to get serious about your life. You got to do this. You got to do that. Boom. In my mind, that's a critique, right? It's a critique about my life as an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, He had nothing to back that up. And really, at the end of the day, he wasn't speaking about me My dad always wanted to be a mechanic. And instead of going out and being a mechanic, his father forced him to work in the jewelry business. Um, And my dad didn't want to. My dad wanted to be a mechanic. And so it was kind of the same thing with me. Without even realizing it, he was kind of following in the footsteps of his father, where it was like, if you do this, I know that you're going to be able to make money and be successful. If you do this other thing that I don't understand at all... I can't protect you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's funny because you get this critique that is very hurtful, but at the same time, it has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with what I'm capable of or anything like that. It has to do everything with him. And so I see that as a critique. Dana said, I sold that painting two days after that critique. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, indeed. The most notable thing about that critique that happened for me was that, um, like I said, that the, there was a blatant mistake in the critique as far as, like, thinking that fur on a hat was supposed to be hair. So I kind of, like, you know, yeah, it kind of invalidated itself all in the same moment that it was <laughs> posted. Tish said to Mr. Head Up His Butt, I would say, oh, yeah, watch this. Hold my Dr. Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unactionable critiques. It reminds me of like, you know, in um, in school and choir being told, like, you have a great ear, but you're a weak singer. Um, I mean, that was the thing. And like it was it that must have been tough in choir, because I know that some of the some of the choir peeps get um, really 
Oh, they're mean. highly they're highly vicious and competitive. Yeah. Um, and and it's it was it feeling like letting a team down too. Like you're letting your section down. You're the weakest link in your in your choir section. And it was like, well, what can I do? You know, but it was like, sorry that you're weak. Sorry you're weak. You will be like that forever. Yeah. And Leslie Leslie says, honest self-review or reflection for me after many years of art making, family still never gives positive comments. Reason, my art, be the best you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Leslie. And that's the thing. It's like some people are going to give those vicious comments. Some people are going to do that. Unfortunately, and the thing is that I don't want to, I don't want to criticize teachers. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to point out teachers like your choir teacher or anything like that. But you got to remember that like for a lot of these people, they're human, right? So they get into music because they want to make a career out of it. And for a lot of people, when they go into wanting to make a career of art, right? Because art is their passion or music is their passion. And they go to school for that. There's always the backup plan of becoming a teacher for that, right? So if this doesn't work out, this is what I'm going to do. Now, that's not how it is for everybody. There are some people that right from the get-go, they're like, I want to teach art. Like that's, I was inspired by a teacher. I want to teach art. I want to inspire kids. Boom. Those teachers, amazing. But for, for the people that ended up falling onto teaching as a backup plan, you got to really think of the psychology there. Like, what is this person really, are they happy, really, really happy to be there? They're basically somebody who had to give up on their dreams in order to uh, survive. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's rough. It's rough to be in that position. Now, that being said, there's a lot of teachers that teach and they carry on a full career, right? So they go and play music and they do this and they do that. And they have a passion for that thing that they do. But that's not the case in every case. And I think that when you run into somebody that's giving you a negative critique that's not constructive whatsoever, that isn't helping, especially when you're in school, really, you got to remember that that person is a human and they may have woken up that morning just feeling... Yeah. You know, sometimes a person just wants to express like their knowledge and their viewpoint on a particular thing. Um, and I'll share a story of an unsolicited art critique that actually turned into a pretty productive conversation. Um, it was the early days of selling our work. I was out at the market um, by myself. I think you were there, but you had stepped away. And a gentleman came into our booth and he was looking at the Rafi and Klee collaboration of Rafi's original trees painted on little wood pieces that I would then wire wrap and turn into necklaces. And he came in and he was like, I really love these necklaces. We had one of each season on display. He's like, these, these are originals. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I really love them. And then he said, I don't care for the way you bezeled them at all. But the trees themselves, I really love those. Now, I could have been offended. And to be honest, there was a part of me that maybe was, right? Right. You were like, but the bezel is me. That's my my part. 100% my contribution is this bezel, right? So you don't like that at all, but you do like the paintings. And so what I said to him, because he threw the word bezel at me, (laughs) was, you're a jeweler, huh? And he said, yeah, he was an older gentleman. And then we got into a conversation, you know, talking shop about jewelry. And he had gotten away from it. 
And really, I think he just wanted to talk about his jewelry knowledge and his jewelry skills. And that was his conversation opener. And the truth was he didn't like my wire wrap technique. And the truth behind the truth was it was the best that I knew how to do at the time, but I was not 100% satisfied with my work either. Right. It was a stepping stone and I knew it. So I feel like that was an instance where instead of just being offended, I took the opportunity to get to know someone and I acknowledged that there was room for improvement. And that's, that's not always the case. Right. And I, I, but I think that that's, that's a healthy way of looking at it because when you, when you approach, when somebody approaches you, whether it's a, like a crappy critique or a negative critique or a a constructive one, and you do some self-investigating, right, within yourself. And that's why it's important that like, okay, what is this bothering me? Why is this bothering me? What's the truth here? And to be able to look at something and be like, yeah, that's actually the part of the artwork that I was looking at that I wasn't 100% satisfied with. Mm -hmm. So, of course, somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and comment on that, right? Which doesn't make you a failure. It just means that you're in progress. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Everything grows and expands on the next. I think the biggest thing for me is, like, when somebody's being blatantly just mean, um not taking it personal and not getting offended by it. And when somebody's just giving you criticism, not taking it personal, not being offended by it, or if somebody's giving you constructive criticism, not being offended, not taking it personal. And I think that really that's the thing that carries on through there. That's why for me, my goal is always whether somebody's giving me good feedback or bad feedback is like, how can I maintain my, composure, my dignity, and my footing on where I'm at, right? Whether or not I'm taking it in and being like, okay, you know, you might have a point there or taking it in and being like, you are completely wrong. You yeah. are, you're, you, you are not making any sense right now whatsoever, but not saying that because I'm being defensive, saying that because it doesn't make sense. Sure. Uh, Ginny was like, someone said about some of my art, Nothing new. I've seen this all before. It irritated me and made me laugh at the same time. <laughs> Jenny, I have heard that somebody, one of the reviews, okay, so the, I, I consider reviews on like books or like reviews on art or anything like that. Those are critiques, right? Yeah. One of the critiques on my book, right, which to me, I'm like, these are my ideas. I wrote these ideas down. Sure, they might. some of them might have been inspired by conversations or things that I've seen in the past or experiences, but it's all based on my experience. And their critique on my book was like, this is nothing new. This is just like every other self-help book that exists out there and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you didn't read my book. You didn't read my book. You, you read a thing, you got triggered by it, and then you were like, this is crap, you know? Mm-hmm. And... And that's the thing. It's like for somebody to come in and just give a glance over art. I've had that happen at art shows, too, where somebody comes in. And it's like, you know, this is all derivative and and seen before. And I'm like, no, it's not derivative. This, yeah. This is, you know, and I think that for a lot of people, to be honest with you, that's mostly insecurity and, and anger. I think about the critiques that we get on some of the videos where people get very angry at what I'm saying. And I'm like, your, your comment and your critique says it all. It's, it's basically telling me your insecurity. 
mm-hmm. and why it is that you're attacking me in the way that you're attacking. Now, those are the extremely negative, non-constructive critiques. You know, there's a big difference between somebody coming in and maybe being like, I don't know about this, you know, <laughs> and and being willing to have that conversation. People love that whole derivative thing. They like to throw that word around. I've been indirect, especially in the early days, was indirectly told that my work was derivative because I was using a technique that I didn't invent. And I'm like, most everything in the jewelry world is not like you didn't invent the technique, but you're putting your own spin on it. Um, and conversely, I've also been warned that other artists were creating work that was derivative based on my work. I know that's happened to you. Oh yeah. Um, people love to use, to use that. Uh, and also an indirect uh, derivative type of comment is like, um, and I, people mean this as a compliment, but Oh, my, you know, my so-and-so, my cousin's sister's girlfriend's whatever, whoever does work that's really similar to this. Yeah. My aunt does jewelry that's similar to this. My You know what was my response at one point when somebody was like, oh, you know, my, my, my cousin's sister does work that is similar to this. I'm like, similar? You mean like art? She creates art? Right. Because that's <laughs> how I don't understand what's similar, especially when it comes to my creations, because like I'm all over the board. Right. Mm-hmm. The only thing that ties them together is that they're my style and what I do. My response was usually cool. Is he or she putting it out there? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, they should. They probably should. Yeah. Gobble said, I remember being told something by someone I really looked up to as a teenager. They were older than me. They truly made me believe that everything in music has already been done. And if I had remained associated with them, I bet you I still would be thinking that none of my ideas matter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with this. Um, that everything's been done. They're they're full yeah. of shit. They're full of shit. Like, no. No. And that's a, such a defeatist way... That's one of the things that drives me crazy. A lot of the people that give criticisms and stuff like that, that like that's not helpful. That's basically a terminal critique. That's a terminal thing to be like, everything's been done. But and it, it's yeah. such a defeatist way of seeing art and stuff. And I'm like, okay, so this is the excuse that you've used to discourage yourself, right? Because you're not going to work on stuff because like, everything's been done. Uh, and you have this great excuse And now you're going to try and pass it down to other people because gobbles. The truth is that if you don't buy into it and you go out and you create your stuff, then you're proving them wrong. And people get really defensive of those beliefs. It's kind of like what, what Connie says here. Guidance counselor said, if you don't move to New York or LA, you can't do art. And that's, I'm like, there is so much bullshit floating out there. And in my mind, Connie, that's, you know, later on, like looking at my art teacher and looking at everything in my mind, I'm like, oh, so that's why you're a guidance counselor. Cause you don't live in New York or LA, you know, I did, did like, what makes you the expert on this? What makes you the expert? Because in my mind, I'm like, if you are working in art and you are out there and you are not in LA or in New York, or you went to L.A. and New York after a long career of really trying it in other places and that's where it worked for you, then maybe that opinion is valid. But unless you've actually done it, how are you going to come to me 
with an opinion that is regurgitated regurgitated bullshit that you've heard out there in the art world in the art world or in the music world that whole thing of like it's all been done before that's regurgitated bullshit mm-hmm. regurgitated bullshit and people love love throwing that stuff around because the truth is they're using it as excuses for themselves and then they want to lay that excuse on you i always feel i don't get angry at those people i Not at them. I get angry at the fact that they're buying into that crap. So much so that they're willing to spread it around. And so, like, a lot of my responses when it comes to those kind of critiques is actually the opposite. I don't get offended at all. What I do is I become extremely motivational. I'm like, well, that's not true. You know, like, and then I'll have a conversation. And then I'll bring up points where it's not true and this and that and da-da-da. And see if I could at least chip away at this insecurity that they are using to block themselves so much so that they're willing to spread it to other people, right? Because they're like, well, if if you believe this, then it must be true. If you believe that there's nothing new under the sun, then that's good because then it means that I, I can't win here. This is... There's no point in trying. It's just a, that's an existential crisis wrapped up with a neat little bow. Exactly. basically what that is. Exactly. Dana said, I'm all about some critique from a fellow artist or some advice. The girl who critiqued my painting had no painting knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Dana. And it was very apparent in reading the comment that that, that particular critique, they, she didn't know what she was looking at. And especially when it's not. And that's the thing, Dana. It's like, as artists... You know, we don't, we're not going to do that unless you're asking. Right. You know, if you were asking like, can somebody give me a critique on this? Then that's where artists are going to come out of the woodwork. But if you share your art, all of us out there that are sharing our art, we know that the last thing we want is somebody to be like, well, you know, no, maybe you should blah, blah, blah this differently. It's like, no, just tell me if you like it. And if you don't like it, just stay quiet. The most constructive criticism I've had throughout my career is in collaborating with um, other artists uh, in the form of other jewelers that I'm collaborating with. Or um, for the last eight years or so, uh, I've had a contract work with a jewelry store, and they've been excellent about their critiques. They're very happy with my work, but it would be like, this is awesome. We might want to think about making small improvements here in this area, or we might want to go this direction with the aesthetic, or little, little things, understanding that overall, like, this is, you know, this is really great. Here's what we want to focus on for next time. And I have grown so much through that process. But the thing is too, that that relationship is a two way street. Totally. Because you also, because they welcome my input and critiques as well as the maker and designer. So it is a two way street. There's open communication. And those kinds of critiques where you're sharing ideas where I can say, you know, I think we can do it better if we do it this way. Or they say, you know, we think we want to go this direction with this thing. Um, and maybe we can tighten this up a little and, and so on and so forth. That is tremendously helpful. That has helped me to grow as an artist leaps and bounds. And, I, and I'm so open to that. But it is like, you know, I regard that type of criticism much differently than, than like unsolicited right. uh, 
because because in that case it's a conversation right where somebody's like in those those are the critiques that are most helpful when somebody says well you know i'm not really sure that i like this or i like this Mm -hmm. and then they're sitting there and then you explain well the reason that i went this direction was because i wanted to symbolize this Mm -hmm. and there have been times whenever i'm giving a critique that's that's the thing like i want to find out more about where the artist was coming from when it comes to the piece and if the marks or the texture or whatever was done that maybe I don't like that. Maybe it was deliberately made. Right. right? Because just because I'm not, because I'm looking at something, I'm like, I'm not sure I like that. Doesn't mean that it's not good. It just means that maybe I don't understand it fully yet. And that's the difference between a constructive critique and no, it's you investigate the work together and you think about like, well, what would, what would make this do what the artist is intending to do? And for the most part, when an artist is asking for a critique, that's what they want to know. It's like, am I, am I getting my point across here? Mm -hmm. Am I getting this where I need it to be? And you want to have that conversation where it becomes a brainstorming session. And that's that's the way that I see constructive criticism. Absolutely. I mean, I think about how you and I operate and like you've given me um feedback on jewelry, on music as I have done for you, like this might this might flow better if we do this. This might better convey the message. Yep. And sometimes like like with your paintings, you'll be like, "No, no, it's this way because X, Y, and Z. And then I'm like, oh. And then it makes sense. Or yeah. it's like, I, re- I remember a recent work that you were conceptualizing and I was like, I think that the like the message that I'm getting from the... Was not working. Was the opposite of what you were trying to yep. say. And we went back and forth with it a few times. And in that case, you were like, you know what? I'm not conveying what I'm what I'm wanting to say with this. This needs to be reworked. And that that is great. That's like that's gold for yeah. artists when yeah. you have that sounding board that that is is um dynamic and a two-way street. Yeah, a two-way street. And especially if, you know, because I know that there are, there are points where there was a painting uh, a few years ago that I'd done and you didn't like it. Right. Yeah. I was like, look at this. And you were like, I don't like it. I was like, what don't you like about and that? And usually like, I'm not it's like. amazing. <laughs> usually I'm not like flat out. I don't like it. Yeah. So like I knew because she was like, I don't like it. That I was like, that's not, that's not Clee. That's not Clee's constructive criticism. There's something about it. And she was like, I don't like the color red. That was her thing. And I was like, okay, this. This calls for investigation. Yeah, the the way that the red was applied to the painting, um, it just looked like tons and tons of blood yeah. to me. Um, and I and it for me it was like, oh, I had stuff that I needed to work through that this painting had like pulled out of me. It wasn't the painting itself; it was my inner stuff. And that's that's what's interesting about a. That's why I love the idea of questioning the critique, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it is a two way street. It's not. And if you are having, if you're talking to somebody where the critique is just a one-way street, where it's like your opinion holds no value, that's where I'm like, you just walk away from that. Because that's not not a genuine critique. I think you can feel, because I was going to say, I think one of the most powerful things you can do when you receive a critique is to ask questions. But I think you can feel whether it's worth your time 
to do so. Yeah. Um, if, if you can ask questions and have that really useful dialogue and either the critic discovers something about themselves or you discover something about the work or both, that's awesome. And if it's meant in um, a more shallow way, then it's probably not worth questioning. I but saw- it can be used for motivation and fuel. And, and um, that, goes for, that goes for everybody in the art world because I saw a, a, a critique that Jerry Saltz was doing Right Mm -hmm. now, I don't always agree. Like there are some times where he says something. I'm like, this is this. I don't I don't agree with you. But there but there is one where I believe the artist had done this entire series of uh, QR codes. Right. Mm -hmm. So he did these intricate paintings of QR codes and then you would click on the QR code and then it would tell you it would send you to something else. Right. And cool concept. He had painstakingly hand rendered. Yeah. Each QR code. Very, right? very cool concept. Um, but like there was something about the delivery that in my mind wasn't working. And Jerry Saltz came in and like he's having this conversation uh, with the artist. And I thought it was interesting the conversation that they were having back and forth. Right. And the questions that he was asking and how they had to do with the art, but they also had to do with the delivery and and, you know, the whole thing of it, the whole presentation and how it was being absorbed. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, that, that is a healthy critique. And I remember watching that. And at that point, having a vast amount of respect for Jerry Saltz as, as an art critic. Um, Although, like I said before, I don't necessarily agree with all of his critiques. And that's where I've realized with a lot of art critiques and stuff like that, that it really comes down to that person's opinion. And if it's not an open dialogue back and forth, that's where it gets that's where it gets tricky. And because mm-hmm. back in the day, there were some art critics that knew that they held a lot of power over the artist. And, and they, they were, wielded it like a weapon. Yeah, they were just cruel. I think that's why I respect Jerry Saltz so much, even though I, too, don't always agree with him. He has very strong opinions, but he also is highly self-aware. Yeah. Um, he acknowledges his roots um, f- before his art critic days. He acknowledges that he's one human being with one viewpoint. And while he's very objective, and I think he's a good critic... Um, he understands that his word is not the final word. Yeah, and that's that's important to understand when you're an art critic. I think when you are like, I am an expert. No, and I and I like that he welcomes um, dialogue and yeah. he welcomes debate. Leslie said, happy 10-year married, you two. Thank, Thank you, you, Leslie. Jenny said, your book is very unoriginal. I've seen so many books that use the words do better. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. That does make sense. <laughs> Dana said, you're both very lucky to have each other to bounce off and not tear the other one's head off. Um, sometimes it feels. Sometimes it feels like it's... It's not, I mean, it's not ever like tearing somebody's head off. It's evolved though. I mean, in the early days, um, sometimes Rafi would tell me stuff about jewelry and I would just get mad because, and the truth is that I wasn't frustrated with his critiques. I was frustrated because I wanted to know everything about jewelry right now. And I knew that I didn't know things and I was frustrated at my lack of knowledge. Um, and I was frustrated at his plethora of knowledge (laughs) So I was looking at 
it in a very unproductive way early on, being stubborn. And once I let go of that, then it was much easier, <laughs> much easier. Mary said, I agree 110%. There are some people who just rip the piece apart trying to prove what an expert they are. Oh, that is a great way of putting it, Mary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And th- that's breeded by insecurity. That's their insecurity. That's why when it when it comes to that, where somebody just rips something apart, it really, at that point, it has nothing, nothing to do with the art or you. No, and you can smell them a mile away. Yeah. I had a lady, um, I had a, a Tree of Life necklace that I had done on a gorgeous moonstone. And I had my Tree of Life necklaces, the, they take a long time for me to make. It's very intricate work. And I had it out on display. It was my, like, showstopper piece. And she looked me dead in the eye and said to me, I think this this piece is really overpriced. I know the gemstone market and I know what rainbow moonstone costs. And I can tell you that this work is overpriced. Why so much? And I was like, can you tell me the difference between like a gem grade rainbow moonstone and like a commercial grade rainbow moonstone first off? Miss Expert. And secondly, you're totally disregarding the actual work. Like, I didn't make the stone, but I did make the pendant (laughs) that took me hours and hours and hours. Like, I'm like, you just want to tell me that you know about Moonstone. Like, you could just tell me that you know about Moonstone without without coming across like that. But I have seen a lot of that. People wanting to be experts wanting to engage in conversation about what they know and coming at it from like this place that is unproductive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's you, you kind of play, you play that by ear. It's kind of like what Leslie says here. We all have different aesthetics in art, music, dance, etc. This creates a rich tapestry. I find it useful to seek critique from someone who shares something fundamental with my current art making. And, you know, and that that's what makes sense. It's like you have people that are in the arena with you creating that kind of art. And I think that when you're dealing with those kind of critiques, it's like there are some people out there that want to prove that they're an expert at something. Right. And maybe it's breeded by insecurity. Maybe at home uh, they live with somebody that tells them, like, you suck at everything and you don't know anything and you're so dumb and you're so this. And being able to go out and say some there there are a myriad of reasons why somebody would behave the way that they do. And it usually has to do with their own insecurity, you know, like that, like going up. I could never I would never go up to an artist and look at their piece and be like, oh, well, I know about the And I know about jewelry. I, I grew up in the jewelry business. I would never, ever go up to somebody and be like, well, I know what this stone is and I know what that is. And I know the true value of this. So why is this so expensive? I know. Can you imagine approaching a, a, an artist with paintings and being like, I know what this canvas and paint cost you. So why are you charging? (laughs) Like totally negating the idea, the design and the execution of the work. I mean, we all know that for the most part, art materials, even though they're expensive when you have to buy the stuff, the, the amount of art materials that we use on one work of art is like not anywhere near the price. The price is all the labor and the knowledge and everything that goes into it. And people forget that. People forget that. And especially that, again, that's one of those insecurities where it's like, well, I'm I'm too smart to get got, 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm too smart to get God. I'm not going to fall for your blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you are making up shit that is not relevant in this in this work of art. A fundamental thing of art, as far as I define it, is that art is more than the sum of its parts, whether it is a painting, a textile work, uh, a piece of jewelry, whatever it is. Like, I know what it costs to print a book. Like, where do you get off <laughs> charging money for this book? Yeah, I know. It's more than the paper and the binding. Like, art is always more than the sum of its parts. That That's- is true. That is true. You could totally be like, well, I know how much paper costs and I know how much printing costs, you know. It, it so blows like, my mind. It doesn't make sense that you, whatever. <laughs> I, I, know, I know how to write things. Okay. You know. Cool, man. When's your book coming out? <laughs> like, yeah, that that breaking something down into its parts and trying to dissect it that way. Um, and this is getting a little off topic, but it but it is kind of in the same vein. Um, that is one of those things that drives me crazy in the yeah. art world. That, one of the one of the critiques that I got on my books was, you know, and that's where I'm like, oh, you know, for a lot of people, it's like really. This critique has nothing to do with my book. You're just trying to get your point across. Um, one of the critiques was on my money book and where I talk about putting together a financial system to get you through the rainy days and like all that stuff and just money mentality. And their comment was, this book would have been so helpful if it wasn't for the advent of AI. And I was like, this book has absolutely nothing to do with AI. And so, like, he gave me two stars. And I was like, this is obviously that the book thing is a new thing. People could come and, like, talk about my art all they want. And I've got a deck over a decade of experience in, like, dealing with that. So, so like, you got told your book would have been <clears throat> helpful, but it no longer is relevant because AI. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, in my mind, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? That's not even a valid critique. It, it has nothing to do with this book. No. And and those are the things. It's like understanding that you can't let it get under your skin. And for me, me taking it personal or whatever had nothing to do with the critique itself. It was that in my mind, I was like, now I have two stars. Now my now my star rating went down on my book. And it's this ridiculous thing where that insecurity is not even attached to the quality of it it's attached to this rating system yeah and realizing to myself wait a second i don't give a crap about that i don't care about likes or follows or being popular or having this or whatever like i'm like what i care about is just putting the information out there putting the artwork out there putting the songs out there putting the stuff out there and i forget who it was that said it but they talked about um andy warhol's quote which is like you know let the art critics uh worry about criticizing the art while they're doing that i'm going to be working on my next work Mm -hmm. and i i think that that's great when it comes to that kind of stuff right but also being open to constructive feedback i've gotten some constructive feedback on the books and i've actually done a rework on Mm -hmm. uh some of the books because of feedback that i've gotten so that that's where it becomes helpful. But again, we're not talking about the helpful ones. 
Dana, or uh, sorry, Gobble said, I feel like it builds your character better sometimes to actually respond instead of just ignore or delete. Yeah, she's saying that because Dana uh, mm-hmm. deleted it. But did well, respond. Da- she did respond. She did respond. She deleted it because uh, her family members were like, delete that shit. And so she was like, all right, I'm going to delete it. But did respond. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dana said, I took a class once and the critiques all came from the other people taking the class. The teacher never commented once on my progress. And I love I, that. She said, I didn't pay for students critique. Huge disappointment. <laughs> but I love that. I love I lo- it too, Dana. And here's why. Uh, we recently filmed a um, poetry class and it was a three part with a gallery opening at the end. And it was so cool to me because now the instructor was incredibly, incredibly helpful to all the students. So it was uh, critiques from the instructor, but it was also the students critiquing each other's work. And the, the, the way that the critiques were done were like so helpful. Um, and to witness, it was like, here's what I really love that you did. And they were all encouraged to be very specific, not just like awesome or not awesome, right? Here's what I really love. Like, ooh, I love the way you strung these words together. Um, And then here's where maybe I'm confused or I see room for improvement or I'm not quite clear on the narrative, but all very specific stuff. Yeah, or or this section is a little wordy. Yeah, and so with that, it's like you're not just getting one person's perspective, you're getting eight people's perspective. See, Dana, I would have to say that that's that's what I was thinking for mm-hmm. some reason. But I, I I do think that it's a little weird that the teacher didn't give any commentary. Oh, agreed. I do like that roundtable commentary. I love the idea of the students being able to give a critique. And essentially, depending on the format of it, it being something where it's almost like a brainstorming type session where mm-hmm. people are sitting there. Because like all of the poetry were works in progress. And that's something that if I ever did a a class on painting, I would probably want to do where it's like there would be several steps. And then while it's still a work in progress, sitting there and and everyone discussing those conversations and then doing an art art gathering, an art show with that. That would be cool. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, Dana, that situation would have been awesome had the teacher actually also been giving input. Cherie said, definitely, when someone rips a piece apart, it says so much about them and absolutely nothing about the art. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. It's like a lot of a lot of the negative, like not helpful. Right. Because we do get some negative constructive feedback, uh, whether it's art or in videos. But a lot of those videos, it's like that those comments are saying so much about that person and Mm -hmm. it really says so much about either their insecurities or where they're at or what they feel that their limitations are. And we can't help but project that, you know, project that in some way, shape or form. And then you get the, what I like to call the, um, you know, I I think of 13 year old boy critiques, which is like, that's dumb. I hate it. Yeah. It's boring. Not that 13 year old boys are like that. That's just not always. Yeah. Roxanne said, I once asked for feedback from an experienced mosaic artist, and she asked if I was looking for validation or constructive criticism. I chose the latter, and now I wish I had chosen validation. (laughs) You know what, though, Roxanne? I think that you take everything in stride really well, and the level that you're at, like, shows that, like, you you know what you're doing. So 
Uh, I don't think you need validation. Yeah. I mean, we all like validation, right? But you don't need but, it. We don't need validation. We yeah. don't need validation. We can validate ourselves, um, but we gotta we gotta get through the the sick man insecurities that pop up. Tish said, "When I have nothing kind to say, I just go, well, that's interesting. <laughs> that's not every piece of art will speak to every person, therefore, and not every piece I see will appeal to me. But kindness matters. I agree, Tish. So." We went to an opening, and there was a really popular, very well-known artist showing his work in the area that we were in and um, where we used to live. And I didn't resonate with his work. I found it visually fascinating, but I also found it kind of pretentious. And, like, I wasn't – I couldn't, like, get the gist of what it was supposed to be conveying. And I opened a dialogue with the artist in hopes to understand it better – and what I found was that while certain elements of the work were very visually stimulating to me and even incorporated um, gemstones, so obviously going to tractor beam me in right there, and the artist shared a fascination with stones, the the conversation itself leaned heavily pretentious. Yeah. And so I discovered that it really wasn't for me, but I could at least pick out elements that I resonated with. And that's fine because not all art is supposed to be for no, everyone. No. It really isn't. And like like Leslie had said, like it's a rich tapestry and and we all bring our own viewpoints and things to the table. It really is. That's that's what makes it so amazing and so beautiful. That's that's why you know that some people are gonna love your art and you also know that some people are gonna hate it. They're gonna be like, I hate that and I don't even know why. Right. And that's fine. That's fine because there is so much of it out there and it's all very, very unique. And I would much rather create stuff that maybe somebody's going to hate but somebody else is going to love than create something that I think, oh, everybody will like this, you know, because it doesn't it doesn't really dissect. It doesn't really put put across the message that I'm trying to put out there. Roxanne said, thank you. It still would be nice to hear something positive from someone you respect, though. In in retrospect, I, if, you know, if you had a time machine and you could go back and be like, give me the Oreo cookie. The give, Oreo. Give me the I validation the and... Critique and the validation. Yeah, I want Start both. Start it with validation, critique in the center. Then more validation. Then more validation. Yeah, totally. Uh, J.G. Feller said, I've received one-star reviews on my novels because I didn't include sex scenes in my fantasy story go figure what? it's so funny i'm like you just went through the effort of leaving a one-star review I'm like yeah. whatever gobble said i use different me's to critique myself when i feel stuck i love it Gobbles. that's i love that's it awesome i love it that's that's where sometimes i walk away even during the creation of the art you just walk away and you allow yourself to come back with a different perspective yeah. um it, because sometimes you're just stuck in it you're just stuck in it and you could be stuck in it in like your own like I I well the the piece that I was struggling with that you were like mm, I don't know it's not saying what whatever what happened to me was that I went totally pretentious in my own mind I was like I'm going to create a work of art that like says this and like at the end of it after those conversations and walking away and coming back I was like oh I hate this I don't I don't want to do this <laughs> I was like, why, why did I just spend two hours trying to trying to design this? Thing? But all that stuff is so wonderful to me because it's part of our growth process. Yeah. Kathleen's like, your quote, validation is for parking. 
I love it. Um, Zara's like, inappropriate, inappropriate from that bratty kid. Oh, the bratty kid, yeah. Inappropriate and disgusting. Ugly and inappropriate. Ugly and inappropriate. Ugly and inappropriate. Ugly and just smacked every one of my paintings. And I was like, it's funny. I didn't say, I don't think I said anything. I just kind of looked at her parents and her parents were just standing there looking at her. And I was like, you know what's ugly and inappropriate? The way you've raised your child. Yeah. So. Sorry, not sorry. Connie said, my artwork is enhanced and kind of hidden. And a critic at the Palette Club I belong to, every time she sees a piece, says, you need to highlight it more. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's, that defeats the purpose and it's of funny what I'm trying to do. I adore that aspect of Connie's yeah. artwork. Yeah, so do I. I find Connie's artwork endlessly intriguing and fascinating to stare at. So do I. But again, it's not for everyone. Different strokes for different folks, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, uh, Dana says, I guess I looked at it all wrong. I guess I was looking for her expertise as she was an amazing portrait artist, but I see where you're coming from. But I think you're correct too. Yeah. I think she definitely should have given you some feedback. Some, some kind of feedback. As the instructor. To encourage a certain type of feedback, even, you know, like to say something, well, what, what does everybody feel about this? Or what does everybody, and just really direct it. However, you know, and that's one of the things it's like I wanted her expertise because she was an amazing portrait artist. Dana, honestly, as amazing as we get at stuff, we're we're just we're just trying to figure we're figuring it out as we go. Mm-hmm. Um I've done I've done over a hundred portraits, um, and they're all different. Some of them are really, really like boom, you know, where I, I create it. And at the end of it, I'm like, that's amazing. I'm probably never going to create something as amazing as this. And then I create things where I'm like, that's good enough. You know, and I and I feel like every artist has that. You have your technique, you have your stuff, you have your your certain way of doing stuff. But I would say that when I look at every portrait um, out there that an artist has done, they all have their own style and aesthetic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are certain things where you just cut the corners because you're like, this doesn't matter to me. And there are certain things where you're like extremely meticulous. And I think each artist has their own thing. So even if they're creating a portrait, not every portrait is the same. Not every portrait is the same. And you could see that. You could tell the difference between a Da Vinci portrait and uh, Michelangelo. And thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. That's what makes it so endlessly... Dynamic. Yep. Yeah. Know where the critiques are coming from, said Zara. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Mary said, I always take process pictures, then look at them later to catch things I missed while painting. That's a great practice. That is a great practice. Zara said, yeah, the child. Ugly and inappropriate. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I like doing, and it's something that I'm going to... I, I wanted to do a video where I talk about my process i have so many processes when it comes to creating art but i wanted to talk about a video where i'm working on something that is more of a challenge because i do have a process that i go through with that and there is a portion where i do a midway critique or sometimes four or five times and what i do is i take a picture of the art where where it's at at that point and i allow myself to pull it into like a photoshop program and color in the background 
well, what color is going to go with this? And then sit there and like really critique these pieces that are not necessarily done, that just the concepts are there Mm -hmm. and then go with the one that I like the most. And it's allowed me to really put my focus on what direction I want to go in what and while still satisfying the stick man, right? The the good version of the stick man in your head that's like, I don't know if I like that color. You know, like that kind of thing. And heading into a direction where you're gonna make mistakes anyway, right? You have your happy little accidents, but you have more direction in the process that you're going. And um I think that that's important because the the more satisfied you are with your art, the more chances you have to really confront something where you get a negative criticism. Definitely. Right? And there's that process where you're like, no, you know, where they would have been like, I think I would have liked it if the background was like this. And you already know because you looked at it and you're like, no, I didn't like, no. That's, that I know good. recently I've had to tell, uh, clients like no i'm not doing like i'm highly confident in my jewelry skills in in execution of a piece and in design and so i'm comfortable being like no no that's not gonna work it's got to be like this um but with music i'm a little more like oh please like it i I really hope you like it it." (laughs) yeah yeah and it's funny because it's that's the same way i am with the books i'm a little bit more confident now that i've gotten into my third book you know that i've that i finished my third book but even still, I'm like, do you like it? Do you like it? Do you, you know, and it, when it's a book, it's like, have you read it yet? Do you like it? <laughs> do you like what I had to say? Do you like me? Yeah, do you like me? And it's <laughs> it's it's ridiculous because with my art, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, and but but yeah, it's it's all these different facets of these insecurities that we have and this this weird need for validation, you know. I, and you find yourself doing it all the time. Like, you know, I find myself doing it all the time, depending on who I'm talking about. There have been times where I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, oh, yeah. And I and, and you know what I did? I did this thing and I did that. And it's almost like seeking, like, look at how cool I am. You want to you want to validate how cool I am? And it's catching yourself in those moments and understanding, like, if I'm going to ask for a critique or if I'm going to lay out who I am and what I do, um, I got to make sure that I'm not you know, um, looking for acknowledgement that I am awesome, right? The only one that could really acknowledge you that you're awesome is you. The only one that could look at your art and say, yeah, I did this deliberately and I love this is you. Other people may not like it. I think about that because I'll be teaching um, some classes. Uh, Titusville Arts Council contacted me and I'll be teaching some some classes. And when I started typing the email, it's almost like I wanted to validate, you know, how long I've I've been doing this forever and I'm blah, blah, and I'm overqualified for the position. Like I had to stop myself. I was like, whoa, what insecurity is this that is causing me to like blow this out of proportion? In a scenario where they approached you. Yeah, they approached me. (laughs) I've got nothing to prove. And yeah, but still it's like, I want you to, you, you like me, right? I wrote books. I I think ultimately, and these are my final thoughts, right? Ultimately, the most important thing is that you are satisfied with your work. Yeah. If you are truly satisfied with your work, and you can be satisfied with your work and understand that there's room for improvement. If you're satisfied with what you've created, then taking criticism, whether it's constructive or not, is a much better experience. And I think 
on the flip side of that, being honest with yourself when you're not satisfied with your work. Yeah. Or understanding that you're satisfied with your work, but you might still have insecurities. It ultimately comes down to what emotional place you're in to deal with any kind of critic. Yeah. And so I really like to be blunt with myself, like, this is good, but it's not there yet, right? I'm not satisfied with this yet. I I'm, I'm, wouldn't put this out into the world like this yet, but it's getting there. Or, no, this is perfection. It's the best thing I've ever done. And here you go. You're welcome, world. You know, wherever you're at with a piece, it's really important that you're honest with yourself. Use your other me's to critique your work and get to a place of satisfaction. And um, really, that's an inside job, man. That's not comparing the work to anybody else's work. That's just your own barometer. That's your own barometer. You have no reason to compare your work to anybody else's because it is it is your work. And that's the thing that you got to remember, too, is that. Critiques are welcome because it's your opportunity to look at your artwork through the eyes of the world, right? And the the different billions of variations of opinions and things like that. And it's great because it's like this collaboration between you and that person in viewing your art. If you're taking it personal or they're just being hateful for whatever reason that they have, then at that point, it's like, you know... You got to you got to take each one as an individual and not associate here is this professional artist. So this must mean that their thing is going to be you have no idea what they're going through that day. You have no idea. Here's this person that doesn't you have no idea what they're going through that day. Right. Really, at the end of the day, it has to do with that conversation. And are you able to relate to them or are you not able to relate to them? I like um, I like what. uh uh, Kathleen says here, I code switch, meet the energy. Some people are authentic and some need to be handled. That's and, a good way to say it. And I think that that's a, a really great way to see it because it's not, it's not even like, look where the validation is coming from, right? Are they a professional or are they not? like, because none of that matters really at the end of the day, it's like you're, you're having a conversation with another human being about your artwork and you have to evaluate that conversation and the motives behind it. Definitely. When you're having that conversation. And really, that's the way that, that I approach it. And I think that that's, that's the best way to approach it. It's like just a one-on-one conversation. If they're being an a-hole about it, then whatever. You know, like, all right, um, this has nothing to do with me and my art. Because I could clearly see your insecurity speaking out about how you have limitations. Leslie said, thank you, Rafi and Klee. Great way to start my day. Oh, we love you, you, Leslie. Leslie. Um, Gobble said, my husband is at the point where he never wants to see or hear what I have done till it's totally finished because how much I change things in my process is too much stress, I think. I agree. Klee will come to me and she'll be like, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and then I have this and I have that. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. He'll be like, I don't know what you just said, little kid. Come show me when it's done. Yeah, show me when it's done because I, I have no concept. Unless I but have I, a specific question. But I do the same thing. I do the same thing because I'll be like, yeah, and then I'm going to do the, the lines here and I'm going to do my marks like this or whatever. And she's like, uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know what you just said, little kid, yeah. but you got heart. Zara said, yes, I feel the most important opinion is my own. I focus on examining my own reactions and improving those how I'd like to see it, where it's needed. Yeah. Absolutely. And in doing so, right, when you're standing on pretty solid footing with how you feel about your own artwork, that makes you well prepared to receive 
constructive criticism or to handle non-constructive criticism as Kathleen put it. Um, And so I think, and also like Ginny had mentioned earlier in the ticker tape that she's surprised when sometimes your favorite part of your artwork is the thing that other people don't like. And I've experienced that and it makes you also more comfortable to say like, Ooh, interesting. That's my favorite part. So we're like, so you have that conversation with them. Yeah. So what do you think that's about, right? Yeah. I always think it's interesting because it works both ways. Obviously, it's easy to remember like when somebody's like, I don't like that, you know, and you're like, ooh, you know, whatever. But it but it also works the other way. I've taken works out, right, to, to a market where I'm like, yeah, this is okay. This is cool looking, but it's not like my best work. And then somebody comes in, they're like, holy crap, that's amazing. When did you create that? You know, and then they buy it. And it's funny because you take that criticism and you're like, wow, somebody thought it was amazing. Maybe I'm wrong about this work. I still don't like it as much as I like the other ones. But, you know, and and really that's the way that you kind of take it all. So if you love something and somebody's like, well, that's that's amazing that you don't like that. Um, I mean, I find it amazing, you know, and, and I think that it's just that taking a look at that and understanding that it's just a conversation based on opinions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of it you're going to find helpful because it's really going to resonate with you. You're going to be like, you know what? You're right. You're right about that particular thing. Or like, I don't, whatever. But, but it's taking the, the, the hurt feelings out of there, you know, like it, it, and not approaching it in that way and understanding in that moment, when you're having that conversation with that person, that person might just be off that day. They might just be, you know, upset about something that is completely unrelated and just feel the sense to take it out on this work of art. And when you are not allowing yourself to get hurt, you clearly see that. You see that clearly, right? Because then you're not all wrapped up in your own hurt feelings. You you understand like, oh, this this person is really not having a good day, apparently. And that's that's my goal. My superpower goal is to get to a place where it's ju- it's just like that. It's just a conversation that you're having one on one with whoever it is that you're having. And yeah, I think that's that's my final two cents. Awesome. For this, yeah. Well, thank you all for being here with us. I feel like this was a great conversation as well. Yeah. It was productive. Nanu said sometimes an upturned nose is in reality just an empty wallet. There are times where somebody can feel bad because they want something and you are showing them a reflection of something that they can't have. Sure. I've experienced that also. And I've been on the flip side of that. Not that I would throw insults, but I know what it's like to feel bad because you do love something and maybe it's just out of your reach for whatever reason. I love what Jenny says here. Judging art before it's done. Don't taste the soup when it's still water. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. Tish, guess I'm at an age now when someone says something not nice. I say thanks for your input and walk away. I don't have time for it anymore. It takes too much of my brain space. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When somebody, and it depends. There are people where they will do that. They will be like, that sucks. And I'm like, I might be amused by it. And I think to myself, like, I'm going to play around with this. And then there are days where I'm not amused by it. I'm like, all right, thanks. 
and then I walk away. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, again, one of those things where it's a person-by-person basis. And you kind of feel that. You feel that energy from them. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it trips me up how different we all are. Our likes and dislikes, it's cool. It's just opinions and preferences, says Zara. Yes, ig- indeed. Mary said, thank you, guys. You're awesome. Now I have to go cut grass. How fun. Oh, enjoy it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This was this this was great because it expanded on that video by quite a bit, yeah. which is what I wanted to be able to do in talking about this subject. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much to the Rogues for being here. You guys are awesome. You always make this so much fun. Mm-hmm. And for everybody that is listening to this, um, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are amazing. I totally adore you. And, yeah, that's it. Oh, do we have an announcement? We have an announcement. In two weeks, Clea is dropping a song, y'all. Uh, it's the best thing I've ever done. I find it perfect. And you're welcome, world. Yeah, so we'll be making more <laughs> announcements about that. Um, she's very happy. The date is when? When are you dropping the song? The song drops on April 28th on all the platforms globally. So wherever you get your music, it'll be there on April 28th. And the song is called? It's called Fools, I Fold My Underwear. Yes. So look forward to that. (laughs) We'll be making some more announcements about that. And other than that, you guys, I absolutely freaking adore you. And it's time to go. You want to say goodbye, Cleo? Good day. Adios. Oh,